0: In a very short time, we've been forced to reevaluate our values. Values related to employment, family, and home. As we come out of two history-making pandemic years, connecting with others is more important than ever, but it's safe to say that the way we can and want to connect has changed. We are not-for-profit professionals supporting adults to live, work, and grow in a rapidly changing world. Connection means that we need to work together. To build and put into practice whole and multifaceted plans for our clients so that they can reach their own personal successes. For some of us, life is returning to pre pandemic norms, where we work out of an office on a set schedule. Others may have no office to return to and may spend working hours on a couch or kitchen table in their own home. And some may be straddling schedules where they sometimes go to the office and sometimes work in their own personal space. These experiences are the same for our clients who are navigating a world that is still deciding what work life will look like. How can we support them while adapting ourselves? Whoever and wherever you are, if you support adults in learning in life, the Getting Connected podcast may be for you. Join us as we talk through relevant topics that support you to do your best work. Grab a coffee, give us just a few minutes of your workday, and let's connect. Hey everyone, I'm Ashley Hoth-Murray, and you are listening to the Getting Connected podcast. I am solo hosting today, but I'm joined by two very awesome guests that I'm going to introduce in just a moment. I've had the pleasure of hosting many diverse guests over the last year and a half, and every show has been unique and exciting, but sometimes a topic comes up that really resonates with me. Today, we are kicking off a two-part series about childcare, something I know just a little bit about. I'm the mother of three young boys, two who are enrolled in public school, and one who attends a licensed childcare program. Childcare is something that I have to think about daily. At times, it's been very challenging, and at times it's been a blessing. This series will discuss two important roles in childcare. Today's show will focus on the roles of early childhood educators and other employees. Our second show will discuss the role of mothers, uh, how they facilitate childcare, and how that may impact other areas of their own lives. So let's dive in. I'm joined today by one returning guest, Thalia Simplonius, and one new to the show guest, Rachel Crane, both from the Workforce Collective. Workforce Collective, formerly known as Niagara Workforce Planning Board, is a not-for-profit organization that serves our community's efforts to address workforce challenges and opportunities through research, data, and collaboration. As hosts, the Niagara Workforce Planning Board, for the past 25 years, they've built decades of learning about labor market issues and they take action to develop workforce-related solutions. I can speak for Literacy Link Niagara. When we need help, Niagara Workforce Planning Board, and now Workforce Collective, they are the first people to put up their hands and come to support. No stranger to the show, Thalia Simplonius is the research and project lead at Workforce Collective. She brings a breadth and depth of knowledge to research project and is enthusiastic about developing new ways to share their work. She uses her skills to analyze and report on labor market data and dig beneath the surface to understand trends related to important issues like women in work, youth employment, and labor shortages. She is a regular guest at the Literacy Link Niagara literacy service planning table, and she makes large data feel palatable, relevant, and actionable to community agencies. Outside of her professional work, she enjoys painting, playing a variety of sports and traveling. We're also joined by Rachel Crane, who's the learning and engagement lead at Workforce Collective. She engages the community through action resource research, using fun processes like design thinking, which I hope you'll tell us a bit about, uh, knowledge mobilization and amplifying the possibilities within workforce systems. Her path of continuous learning has been lit by a master's degree in leadership deep dives into wellness practices, and through working alongside people from all walks of life. She also knows a thing or two about child care. She's the mom to two under five, very busy house, and is ever thankful to the educators that support her children and her family as a whole. So welcome and welcome back. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well, Ashley. Good to be back and excited to have this conversation today.
2: Awesome! Yeah, thanks for having guys. us. And as you said, it's an issue that it really hits close to home, literally, literally <laughs> and figuratively, um, for me. Yeah, educators, early childhood education and learning is a very, very important issue. Really a hot issue in terms of our work as well right now. So it's really timely.
0: Yeah, touches all areas for you. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, let's get started. We will dive, uh, dive into the topic of childcare employees. So this question could be for either one of you, but can you tell our listeners who works in childcare? We, they may not know, you know, the roles that some, uh, that some employees fill, uh, and what do these jobs look like?
1: Mm. Great question. Um, I can speak a little bit, um, and Rach, maybe you can expand on this too. So we know um, from some of the annual reports from the College of Early Childhood Educators that many uh, individuals working in this area are women. 98% of those um, individuals reflected in their report are women, mostly between the ages of um, 25 and 44, uh, many do work full-time uh, within licensed child care centers as well.
2: I, I can speak to this one because, um, and I'm just going to come out and say it. Um, we, we know that early childhood educators and assistants are actually underpaid for the, for the work that they do. And they are such an important, essential form of work in our community. They enable working parents, particularly mothers, as default care usually, I mean care for the family usually defaults to mothers. So we know that they enable participation in the workforce. For so many working parents, right? So um, there is a lot of advocacy going on right now and um, we're leading the charge. We can talk about that later um, on, yeah, emphasizing the issue of early learning and child care workers um, and their and their pay, their rate of pay as a first step in attraction or retention of these talented workers. Um, so we know that in Niagara, for example, uh, they get paid just over living wage. So living wage in our community just was released for 2021. It's at $19.80 an hour Um, on on the median hourly wage for early childhood educators and assistants is $20.18, just over living wage. Um, And in Ontario, it's it's not much different. So $20 is the median wage. Um, That's an annual wage of $41,981. Your other question there Um, I'm going to need, yeah. Could you say more about that? So the disconnect between demand for childcare and wages. Yeah. Um, So this is, um, I guess this is,
0: I am, this question is heavily biased by my own opinion. So maybe I'll just put it right out there. Uh, I think, you know, you've summed it up, Rachel, that we're paying people $20 an hour that we so heavily rely on to then go on and and do our own work. Um it, to me there is a disconnect uh because I had to it, I was on a waiting list for 4 months before I could get my son into part-time care uh because there's so many people looking for childcare support but they cannot find staff because there's no one to work these jobs. And when I heard you say um something that I didn't know before but the average uh the average span of, of a career of an
2: ECE is seven years. So then yeah. what, I, I mean, that's short. In some cases, like I, I've seen research that says the turnover for specifically like self-employed uh, childcare workers, this is the study I'm referring to, is like three years. So they'll I mean, spend all of this time opening up, you know, their own um, childcare uh, center, or if in a lot of cases, it's, it's in their home and then invest the time in learning how to do that. And then it's just in three years, that's when they kind of realize that it's not a sustainable um, career for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's a problem.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Because you know, as a a mother of multiple kids, I have used childcare, paid childcare for more than seven years. Mm -hmm. So basically you couldn't have the same, you would not have the same provider. That's right, yeah. For a family.
2: Yeah, and we we do have. Thank you for clarifying your question, putting a little more context. We do have a ton of data around exactly the, the issue that you're saying, so we can share a little bit. Um, EC staffing shortages are a, a known issue. Um, so right now, for example, our data from the region for um, licensed childcare. These are families that report in and are on the wait list. So not every family actually indicates that they they need care. Just just want to give that caveat, but those who do, there's about 9,000 children on that wait list right now between now and the end of 2027. And it's 2027 because it is for children who are zero age, zero to five, right? So it's like if you have a child now and you're projecting out that you'll need childcare care um, for children who are before kindergarten age usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 9,000 children. So put that in perspective, that's about 35% of children in Niagara and, and again, thousands of working parents mm-hmm. that are affected by this lack of childcare right now. Uh, at the same time, Niagara has licensed childcare spaces that are that are operational. So they have capacity. They have got the buildings, and the other kind of um, uh, resources to actually have these spaces operational. Um, and so, yeah, we we could right now. There's the demand and capacity to support about one thousand to three thousand additional ECE jobs. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that's.
2: Uh... Mm-hmm. That's, That's a large number. Thing. Yeah, and yeah, it's I'm just in Niagara. Another, like Niagara is a small to medium-sized community, right? So you can imagine. We feel it deeply in, in smaller communities, but this is happening across Ontario, across Canada, and I'm sure other countries as well. Yeah, ab-
0: absolutely. Well, we know that, right? You just have to watch the U.S. news and um, and, and news from uh, from Europe, and, and everybody seems to be dealing with the same thing, especially post-pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so let's talk about best-case scenarios. If we were kind of go pie in the sky, what would an effective childcare system look like in Ontario? One that would benefit employees?
2: Mm. I can kind of continue rolling with this. I, I, again, this is a topic that really excites me, but we need to pay people more. So best case scenario, uh, we do have some, uh, some really good models. So for example, I referenced full, uh, uh, kindergarten, full day kindergarten or FDK um, was an intervention in the system in Ontario that was public, so government funded. Um, they said school boards, you're going to have full day kindergarten now and then they're, they're paying um, folks who work in those positions, uh, for example, kindergarten teachers at a really, really decent wage and there's quality working conditions, um, professional learning environments, and it's a valued career. So um, kindergarten teachers earn an average salary of closer to 43.75 an hour, it's almost double. Um, And I have, I have a lot of sister-in-laws and a lot of them are teachers in the public school boards. And one of them um, just recently taught uh, in kindergarten and says, you know what, ECEs or designated ECEs as they're called in that system are, they're doing the same kind of work as, as that person, as a, as a kindergarten teacher. So um, they're all, they all need to be valued, you know, professionals, and that would be best case scenarios if we could redesign the childcare system, we would have the, the workforce um, that can sustain it. Uh, also I'll say too, um, from an economic point of view, that full day kindergarten resulted in a boost of million, billions of dollars to Ontario's and Canada's uh, economy in GDP. Um, same thing happened in, in Quebec. So when they're rolling out these universal childcare systems, um, there is the return of investment. So we have all the kind of economic models and data to, to prove that. So um, yeah, paying ELCC workers more equals better care, better access equals boost to economy. It's kind of that, <laughs> it, it can be that linear. Um, so I think that we have some models that that we can point to to prove that. And um, best case scenario, we would we would rally behind an ELCC workforce strategy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think, on to that,
1: Rachel. So prior work work that's looked at, you know, outcomes of ECE program graduates um, and where people go to work after, many do work within a related field um, afterwards, but a challenge of not staying in the field is the low rate of pay um, and employers not having the ability to pay more, right? So getting people into the program, but also then retaining individuals in ECE work um, is a big challenge. So again, as Rachel said, wage enhancements might be one of the key issues to help attract and also retain individuals into this work, ensuring they have employment that supports them in their life, um, expanding opportunities to like professional learning opportunities is also key to you know, strengthening and increasing the workforce there. And I think letting people know that we do need more individuals in this area of work. Like when we look at job posting data, um, like last year, between August 21 and July 2022, we saw just under 250 job posts. So I don't, I don't know if it's understood that, you know, we have this big gap in, you know, supply and demand for individuals in this area.
0: Unless you're a parent that needs to find it.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, then you, <laughs> and right. then, you know, there's a gap. And no, Yeah or yeah. you're the child care uh, center operator who's trying to staff right these positions yeah. they know yeah absolutely they're they're around, they're they're around tables. Context, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah but otherwise um,
2: yeah oh i also just want to amplify quickly the ontario coalition for better child care right now has this campaign that really is around better pay for lcc workers so they recommend the wage floor like it's starting salary at 25 dollars an hour um and then obviously increases from there based on experience and and time in the career. Um, but that would be, again, best case scenario. I think that would be a place to start if we can, again, rally around that pay. Of course, everything else involving decent work comes comes as well. But at very least, we need to pay them more. I have a, another friend of a friend who is loves her job as an ECE and is within a school board. Um, So has, you know, one of those better paying jobs, but she's a a single mom. She also is a server at a restaurant on the side because she has to, because she doesn't want to leave the job, but she has to have another, another job to supplement the income. And she has uh, two young kids as well. So she's juggling like a ton just to do the work that she loves. And it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be that she's faced with that, you know, decision of, should I go to Costco and make $25 an hour? Or do I do this professional career that i study studied to do that? I love to do. Yeah. We shouldn't have to make people choose.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I can speak to that as well. I have a very good friend who um, he, 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 which is kind of an anomaly as we've heard. uh, Mm -hmm. He went to school to be an ECE and he worked for a few years and he loved it. Uh, But then he was married and they had uh, their first child. And he had to leave that job that he loved and he worked in a factory because that produced more money uh, and better benefits. And that was the only way that he felt that he could give his family a a more solid foundation. Uh, Flash forward, here we are now. um, And his wife is, uh, her career has taken off a little bit more and they've got a little bit more um, room. So he's been able to leave the factory And he's now trying to get on with the school board as an ECE or EA. So maybe, you know, if, um, as people get older, uh, there might be more opportunities to kind of come around to come back to the field if they haven't been disheartened. Cause it, I mean, I just, again, from a personal, from a, from a personal story, when I take my son, my three-year-old to daycare, there are often days where he will be in tears when I leave. And I have to, I watch these people who just care for him so much and just envelop him and, you know, distract him and sit with him. They, to me, I just could not imagine my life without them right now uh, because I need them professionally. And I also need them personally they mm-hmm. allow me to have that that break to have my own identity um and uh and i trust them and it's it's amazing that we pay such a low wage yet we put so much trust in these people
2: yes yeah yeah and they have so much liability right no knock to costco by the way i think oh no absolutely people, people work there and love it but there is like the level of liability is so much greater when you're caring for tiny humans, mm-hmm. right? So, that alone should justify that, that that pay needs to be different. Never mind the fact that they go through a post secondary training program and they go through the res- registered with the, co- the College of ECEs, like Thalia mentioned. Like, there's it is a professional career, and um, we need to recognize it as such.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, we are asking all guests this final question and your, your answer doesn't have to connect to the topic, although of course it certainly can. Uh, so I'm going to ask one of you to answer in this episode and I will ask the next one to answer in, the, in part two because we'll be back. Um, but what is one tool, material or resource that you wish that people used more?
2: Rachel. I, I'll take this one because I, I'll tie it into actually the very beginning when you said, Ooh, what's design thinking when you read my bio there. Um, so we are working, I, I'll do it. It's also kind of a, a plug for our work that we're doing right now in this space. We just posted to our social media. So workforce collective LinkedIn and Twitter uh, and always um, a, a draft. So we came up with a two page report on the early learning and childcare worker workforce crisis. Uh, to again really amplify the issues and we presented it in front of our children's planning council in niagara and then we just we invite anyone who reads that report anyone who's at that meeting to to advise and help co-create or build this the data and understanding around the elcc workforce issue and then what we're going to do is we're going to formally publish that to our website so anyone can use it refer back to it um, reference it if they need that information Um, and come to a design lab. So this is where design thinking comes in and we have some fun. There's lots of post-it notes and flip charts, sometimes Play-Doh, lots of different um, elements to get us thinking in new ways. So we have what's called a design lab and it's kind of like a two hour long conversation, very interactive, like I just said, usually over food making bread. Always building. over food. <laughs> it just generates <laughs> better, always be food. Yeah. yeah, better, a different way of thinking, right? And also camaraderie. So there's, we're inviting specific stakeholders to come and say like, so we've positioned this as, as an issue. This is an issue. What are the solutions? We don't need to land on one. There's probably going to be many, but if like, how might we design a better workforce system that's going to attract and, and retain ELCC talent? Cause we need that so desperately as we've already highlighted. Um, or else we might not have an economy. It sounds kind of blunt, but it is like caring, the caring economy, people who work in education, healthcare, social services are like the underpin and enable the rest of our economy to work, right? So we're looking at childcare as just one of those elements. Um, And then yeah, we're applying some design thinking tools around it to to see if we can arrive at some different solutions and and tackle this together in community. Very cool. I love like
0: the collaborative nature of that. I think that's where you you see opportunities rather than problems mm-hmm. um, by getting together and just it's very, you know, open. Uh, we used to call it something similar, open space facilitation was really exactly. big. Yeah. Uh, it follows uh, the same
2: kind of principles, totally. yeah, yeah,
0: ten years ago. and you would just walk out just feeling like you had all of these potential directions. Yeah, and yep. you could pivot. Very cool. Well, I thank you both for joining us today as we talk about the role uh, of ECES uh, in in the economy and in in our communities. And we will be back next in two weeks uh, after the show airs with part two. So thanks for joining us and thanks for listening, listener. We look forward to getting connected next time.